And uh, so we're glad for you to be here and be a part of this. I do want to encourage you at the, at the start of this, if this uh, message blesses you, please like it and share it. That means a lot to us. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to wrap up this series that we've been in. Uh, this will be our sixth session, so six weeks that we have devoted to this. Uh, you know, you guys pray for me. I, I'm not very polished uh, in the way that a lot of ministers are, um, that I don't lay out sermon schedules or, or series schedules. Uh, I just pray, ask the Holy Spirit, what is he wanting to bring? What is he wanting to reveal? And nine times out of 10, it's some of the very things that he's challenging me in my own heart. And he challenges me to bring it so that, so that we can actually process and walk together in this journey. Uh, and so when I started this series, I thought perhaps three weeks. And so you can see where my thoughts and then what the Holy Spirit has in place, it ends up being twice that. Uh, and so I want us to hold on for the ride. We're gonna try to land this thing I, I think, honestly, if we stayed in this vein of thought, you could probably do a series like this for months uh, because where you challenge weak mindsets, you replace them with sound mindsets, honestly, you would not run out of things to talk about. Uh, but I just knew in my spirit, this is, this is where we're going to wrap it off uh, because there's something else uh, that's really been churning in my heart uh, coming up soon. Uh, at, at the risk of you know a change of plans, I'll go ahead and share it because once you hear this on our streaming or see it, you're going to be looking for it. Uh, but what I sense in my spirit next, whenever that is, in the next several weeks, uh, a series called One and Done. One and Done. O-N-E. One and Done. And we're going to look at, uh, I believe, I mean, a lot of the benefits of what it is to be one with Christ. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's, I'm excited about it. But now to the matter at hand a sound mind. This is part six, and uh, we're going to be talking about living with the mind of Christ. Living with the mind of Christ. So you go back through the last five sessions, I can't recap them at all, but again, we were replacing these weak mindsets with sound mindsets. And so when I was praying on how to finish this, I just felt in my spirit, well, you need to talk about the practicality of what it is to have the mind of Christ. How do I live the mind of Christ? Or, or again, as one of my mentors used to say often, if what I know, I can't walk it out in shoe leather, what good is it to know? Uh, or again, I, I shared that quote from Bishop Van Moody that I love so much, our orthodoxy must become our orthopraxy. In other words, what we believe must become what we practice or what we do. And so this is no different. I'm not gonna challenge you with these truths about that we have the mind of Christ if we don't also have practical application for what it looks like in walking out. So to start this session, like we've started the other five sessions, we're gonna start with the same verse, 2 Timothy 1 verse seven. If you, if you don't remember any other verse in 2020, I believe you're gonna remember 2 Timothy 1 seven. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. And you guys know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go ahead and comment on it. Sound mind is translated as self-control or self-discipline. And these words power and love, this is in the Greek, is the, the word power is the Greek word dunamis or the God kind of power. And then that word love is the Greek word for agape, the God kind of love. 
So you guys remember the equation. An unsound mind is connected to fear, right? God has not given us the spirit of fear. But if you want to walk in the realities of a sound mind, then you walk in the power and the love of God. The God kind of power, the God kind of love equals a sound mind. Now that doesn't mean you all of a sudden know everything. That's, that's not what that's about. It just means that we know what mind we're using as we navigate challenges, as we navigate information, as we navigate reality. We know that we have been given a sound mind. Okay, so again, we're looking at living with the mind of Christ. I want to throw a couple verses at you before we get into the weak mindset and then the sound mindset. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Uh, if you don't know this by its address, you certainly know this verse and you've heard it taught. Uh, and usually it's not a very exciting sermon when you hear this from Jeremiah 17. Actually, most verses out of Jeremiah aren't very exciting, uh, but this one especially. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I, I Man, I've heard, I've heard some pretty good Holy Ghost tirades on this. Uh, <laughs> I, I call it Holy Ghost. It's not like I can blame the Holy Ghost, but we'll just say Holy Ghost because it's our family. Yeah, you know, you can't trust your heart. It's wicked, right? It's the most wicked thing imaginable. So that's why you have to fight against it, war against it. You've got you to get that heart right before the Lord. But then you look at 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That phrase to sanctify Christ, maybe your translation says sanctify Christ in your hearts. To sanctify Christ as Lord means that we recognize him for who he already is. And, as it were, he's already enthroned. We enthrone him in our innermost being as the Lord. So the challenge is there about the desperate wickedness of the heart. But then we're, we're admonished in 1 Peter, now Jesus is the Lord of our hearts. He is the Lord of our hearts, and that's what we're going to talk about. So weak mindset number six, our final mindset we're going to challenge in this series. Weak mindset number six, the heart is wicked above all things. The heart is wicked above all things. The sound mindset we're going to replace that with is this. My heart is the throne of Jesus. My heart is the throne of Jesus. Now, you may think, first of all, well, what does that have to do with a sound mind? You're talking about the heart. The heart is the mind. When we talk about the, the economy of the kingdom of God, the sound mind series is not a lesson in biology. Okay? I'm not talking, I'm not addressing our brains or how our brains work. Biologically, our brains are certainly a wonder. Okay? But what we're talking about has nothing to do with the signals your brain sends to your body for it to function. It doesn't process, you know, sensations through nerve endings. It doesn't regulate all the things biologically. I'm talking about how we view ourselves, how we view God, how we treat people. All this flows through the mind. And in scripture, you begin to find that an interchangeable term for the mind is also the heart. Right? So when we talk about the heart, this is not a biology lesson. It's not about that, that tool that circulates blood through your system. 
Okay? We're talking about the core, the central core of man is the heart. If you backed up and, and had like a big picture metaphor, uh, I wrote a book many years ago uh, called The Tree of Life. And one of the things I talk about is how the trees, when you look at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life, we're told that they're both found in the center of the garden. And so I begin to paint this picture. It's talking about heart motive. So if you try to live from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then that's, that's your core focus. That's the center of your garden. And everything you do and how you navigate life will be through the filters of good and bad. And while good is not necessarily wrong, it's less than life. God is not wanting us to be on a trajectory of judging what is good and bad. He wants us to navigate understanding what is life and what is death. And because we're sons and daughters of the king, we speak life. We navigate life. So we talk about the heart. We're talking about the core of our being, the center of our focus. Proverbs 23, 7 takes it another step, which is interesting. And it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So again, we, we, we understand this is not biology. Our hearts don't think biologically. We'd say, well, that's our brain that helps us to, you know, have cognitive thought. But in the word of God, in the economy of the kingdom, our thoughts come from our heart. Wow. Wow. You know, perhaps you've dealt with people like this. I have certainly at different levels that they will do exactly what you tell them to do. They'll even do it well, but you know their heart is not in it. So even though they're complying with your request, you know that their heart is removed from it. But then you can find a person who may not get every T crossed and every I dotted. But their heart and their passion and their zeal is there. That's the kind of person you want to be around, right? Like my dad has always said, he said, I would rather have to hold you back than to kick you in the backside, right? And, and a lot of times he'd talk about, um, he, would, he would tie that metaphor into Jesus uh, getting the wild donkey, the donkey upon which no man had ridden. You guys remember that? In his triumphant entry uh, into Jerusalem, he tells his disciples, go and you'll find a donkey tied to a post upon which no man has ridden. And, and of course, the connection of thought is Jesus will ride you. He'll ride the beast that no one else could ride, right? And so that's part of what it is to live a submitted life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because we're wild and rebellious outside of who Christ is. But finally, someone has come to us. They've been able to break us and to master us, right? But in all that, if you're not careful, you'll become an opposition, a force of opposition. And you'll become a, a donkey or a beast that either has to be held back or kicked forward. Are you guys okay? But given the option... Any leader would rather have to hold someone back than to have to, come on, would you just do something? Come on, take advantage of something that God's put in your hands. Steward something of the gift that God's put in you, right? You guys okay? All right, so as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's interesting when we really examine that phrase, this is what I have in my notes. Our thoughts serve as a guide for where we are headed. Guys, do not doubt me on this. 
I challenge you, try it out. As you begin to think, it begins to alter your trajectory. I promise you. If all you think is negative thoughts, if all you think is how people don't like you, if all you think, say a specific person, let's just say that this thought has just grabbed your mind that Flora does not like you. Guess what? Before you know it, you will, you will start not wanting to be around her. You'll, you'll try to sidestep. You'll try not to, what, all, not because of anything she's done, but because your thoughts have become your guide in that area. And if it's true of something as trivial as that, and everyone loves Flora, so I know it's hard for us to, to even think this way, right? But it can be true of other things as well. Why didn't they talk to me today? Why haven't they gone out of their way to make me feel special? Why has no one called me in the last month? And before long, our thoughts guide us into places that aren't even real. All right? So this being understood, it's important for us to think about what we think about. When's the last time you thought about what you think about? It's a challenge. When I was going through some of this, uh, thinking about what, how we were going to land this, I felt that in my spirit. How often do you step back and ask yourself, why do I think these things? Because it's hard. It almost feels like it's third person. Can Matthew step back and ask Matthew, why do you think these things? And then look at it objectively. You know, some people, they're always afraid they're going to get sick. Always afraid they're going to die young. Always afraid they're going to die alone. Always afraid they're going to lose their house. Always afraid they're never going to have enough money. Have you ever stepped back and thought about what you think about? And if you can do that, it's a game changer. I, it, it's not really meant for this session, but I would even challenge you. Uh, there's, there's a great book I'll share, share it with you guys. The titles just gave me in the moment, but it's talking about the, I believe it's called The Anchor of the Soul. And one of the things, again, that you're challenged there, have you ever stepped back to look at why you feel a certain way? And examine why do I have these feelings? Why do I want to act and respond this way? It, guys, it's a game changer. It really is. So let's look at this. It's important for us to think about what we think about. 2 Corinthians 10, we'll start at verse 4. You guys know these verses, nothing new. We're just going to look at it from a different perspective. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. That's verse 4. And then verse 5 and 6, tell us what those strongholds are. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. I love the way the message says it. I got to read it from the message. Actually, the message hit hard on a couple of these. We'll share a few verses out of the message. But this is so good. Listen to this. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Man, that is so good. 
Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Have you ever stopped to think about what you think about? Because you've already been given the tools necessary to destroy strongholds, to smash warped philosophies, to tear down barriers erected against the truth of God in your life. I feel like a lot of times we read verses like that and we're, we're too quick to default to the big picture. But what about the picture of the knowledge of God in your life first? I get it. The, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. But it's got to start with you. Before it finds an ocean, it wants to find a son. It wants to find a daughter that actually believes what God says about them. So we need to stop and ask ourselves, does the knowledge of God cover Matthew? Does the knowledge of God cover William? Since it does, I am well equipped to bring captive any thought that doesn't look like the knowledge of God. Why? Because I'm so baptized in the knowledge of who he is that when a thought that doesn't look like him tries to come into my airspace, I bring it captive to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you. Don't be afraid to think about what you think about. So I want to give you some practical tools here. Any you guys like just a practical, a few steps to help you in the journey? That's what we're going to do for this session. Here's a few things that will help with how to live with the mind of Christ. And some of these are going to be so simple that they're going to be profound. Again, so much of our journey is remembering things that we've forgotten. And I can't tell you how many times the Lord will remind me of something. And then it changes everything. And I'm like, but God, I knew that. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but you forgot. Got re to remind you here. So here we go. Point number one, super profound, but we need to hear it. How do I live in the mind of Christ? Number one, point number one that will help you live, navigate successfully what it looks like to be a beloved son and daughter using the mind of Christ on a daily basis. Set your mind on things that are above. Number one, set your mind on things that are above. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, that if is, is inconsequential. It's matter of fact. It's of course you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, I've already been sharing this with people over the last few days. Hey, listen, I really need you to pray. I need some focus and perspective. I say, I wanna, when's, the last, I wanna, when's the last time you put your focus on things above and you got it off this situation? Because this situation, although God cares about it, it is not an above situation. It is not a heaven situation. If all you do is feed this anxiety, feed this doubt, feed this insecurity, before you know it, it doesn't feel very Christ-like. The experience doesn't feel Christ-like. You don't even feel like you have authority, even though he's already given it to you. You don't feel like you've got it. 
We got to set our, be intentional, set your mind on things that are above. And we'll get into it a little bit more. I don't want to jump all over the place. But we're even, we're even given suggestions. It's like the Holy Spirit knew. Don't just think that they will automatically assume what things are above. I'll give them a list to start with. I love it in the message. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. I love that. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. Paul's not around you, around Christ. Because that's where the action is. That's where you're seated. That's where you are. See things from his perspective. Wow. If you can see a need from his perspective, if you can see what you're troubled about from his perspective, if you can see that other person from his perspective, you cannot tell me it won't change everything. So then Philippians 4 verse 8. Here's a little list to help get you kick-started. If you're like, well, I hear what you're saying and it sounds great, but I need somewhere to start. Here we go. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Well, there went my social media life. Man, bummer. There went my daily news take off. There went picking a fight with everyone that disagrees with me politically, theologically, whatever. You guys okay? <laughs> because what we're being told as we combine these thoughts is there is a realm that we are anointed and destined to live in that is full of guaranteed success. It is full of clarity for days. In an age where people are crying out for direction, we are delivered direction with a gift, with, with a bow and gift wrap. It's given to us to enjoy. Now that being said, it only demands of us cooperation. It doesn't say make the stuff up. It just says if you can find it. When you find it, just think on that. That's part of why, for me personally, I know it's not everyone's you know, uh, thing, but for me, my life is a soundtrack. Most of the time, I have music going. If I'm not watching a TV show, I've got music going. I've got it at the gym. I've got it while I'm driving. I've got it just if I'm praying. I, because it helps me think about something that's higher than my situation. Just that shift in perspective begins to pull me out of the situation that I was con convinced God couldn't help me with. And you know how he helped me? He just pulled me up and out of it. Come up. See what I see. See things from my perspective. That thing that you call a pit, it's just a, a puddle. Come on, man. I'll help you. Get your focus right. Get your perspective. You have the mind of Christ, son. Use it. 
Okay, so that's number one. Number one, set your mind on things that are above. Number two, embrace the renewal of your mind. Embrace the renewal of your mind. Growing up, I was challenged so many times uh, by, I mean, I, I believe honestly in my spiritual journey, I've been spoiled to have received from, in my estimation, some of the best of the best, minds, gifts, anointings in the kingdom of God. But oftentimes, man, it felt like I was being stretched, like I, like I, I didn't know if I could stretch anymore, right? My thought process is challenged, my ability challenged, my gift challenged, my grace challenged, stretch, 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 take a chance, take a step of faith. It has to do with the renewing of the mind. It's not stretching us beyond, well, to an extent, hear me, it is stretching you beyond your ability, but you're never going to get stretched out of his ability. So then there are other times where, okay, we're going to dig deep. And before you know it, everything you once held dear and true is no longer true. Because, and the only way this is possible, and this, this goes for all of us, not just for me. All that is signs that you're embracing the renewal of the mind. All of that is a sign. Now, if you resist that, if you resist when, when you are... There are times where I felt like Goliath getting hit square between the eyes with truth. And, you, and there are times you want to resist because you just aren't ready to let go. In some of those moments, okay, you need to embrace the renewal of the mind. Embrace the renewal of the mind. Okay, so here we go. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Again, you, you guys know these. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So when we talk about being conformed to this world, again, I don't think this is so much a statement on culture as it is on perspective. Right? Because again, I mean, sure enough, Paul is addressing the church in Rome. This is a Gentile gathering of believers and you think about it within the, within the framework of their experience. They're in the Roman Empire, which is extremely hostile to... It's even so much, again, a cultural thought. He's trying to tell them the plane in which we operate is going to require you to think in ways you've never thought. Renewing of the mind. Well, what mind are we talking Well, you have the mind of Christ. It's once and for all... But it's also a work in process, a work in progress. Because how many of you guys, you don't have to raise your hand, those watching, you know based on what we're sharing these last several weeks, you have the mind of Christ. Yes, that's what, that's what I believe. It has been given to me. I have the mind of Christ. Is there ever times where you think something that doesn't think like his mind? Now I want to challenge this, and I know this, this, this can be hard to swallow. It doesn't mean you have another mind. It just means... The mind is still being renewed. You're still trying to figure out how to use this mind that you've been given because it's so different from the mind that other people try to use. So it's still being renewed, still being stretched, but it's okay because the mind of Christ is very capable of handling what comes at you. It's very capable of proper perspective. It's very capable of revealing to you truth. 
1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. That is a definitive statement. You have the mind of Christ. Maybe for some of you, it's just going to take reminding yourself of that all the time. Invade your airspace. Hey, I got the mind of what is go I have the mind of Christ. I will not even entertain that stupid thought. Okay, kids aren't in here. At our home, we don't really like to say stupid. It's a bad word in our house. But for you guys, you're, you're mature enough. You can handle it. I wasn't saying you're stupid, but I'm saying a lot of us have stupid thoughts. And just because it came into your airspace doesn't mean you're supposed to own it. So we were talking about last week. In the mind of Christ, we're going to bring that thing captive. If it doesn't look good... And not who I am. It's not allowed in my mind. Okay, and then finally, prepare your mind for action. Or maybe your translation also says, gird up. Gird up your mind for action. This is our final point, and then we'll, we'll finish this up. So recap, set your mind on things above. Practicality. Embrace the renewal of your mind. In other words, be willing to know. In your journey, you've got to be willing in those times of being stretched, thought processes being challenged. It's okay to let go of things and embrace new things. Just because things have always been done one way doesn't mean that's how they're supposed to be done. And we keep being stretched. Our capacity is stretched, and it's okay. It is okay. Because... The mind of Christ, it's a once and for all delivered to us. We have his mind, but it's also a, in a renewal process as well. In other words, we're trying to catch up with what the mind of Christ is capable of. If that can help you process it in a different way. So finally, prepare or gird up your mind for action. 1 Peter 1, 13 and 14. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Again, maybe your translation says, gird up your minds for action and being sober-minded. Well, stop right there, sober-minded. This, this is not Peter saying, you guys shouldn't be out drinking beer. That's not what he's saying. Sober is talking about seriousness. We, we have a, there's a mentality about how we're going to approach the circumstance, the situation that we're serious about it. We're not playing games, okay? How do I know that? Because the initial charge is, my mind is prepared. My mind is ready for action. And so what I'm about to engage in, I'm not here to win friends and influence people. I am here to bring truth. I'm here to engage with the mind of Christ. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's so many connections here. The revelation of Jesus Christ, who he is in you, who you are in him. Do you see the connection? You have his mind. <laughs> One of the most fundamental ways we can gird up our mind is by buying into and understanding who Christ is in us, who we are in him. It's brought to you, the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. I love that. That's a way of saying, guys, we've all been dumb before. Don't go back to being dumb. 
And if, and, and if Paul, I think, were articulating this, it'd be more like this. Don't go back to the law because there's no life there. Remember, I was the smartest of all you guys, and I didn't count any of it for life. None of it brought to me the issues of life. Jesus Christ. He gives grace to the humble. Perhaps, perhaps we could even include that in this thought process. Humility goes a long way. And a reminder of the audience of Jesus' day, you know the two group, people groups that he struggled with the most were the religious and the educated. In other words, those that had a form of godliness and those who figured they couldn't be taught anything. It's going to be very hard for us to walk in the mind of Christ if we walk around with a superior mental attitude, a superior informational attitude, right? Or educational prejudice. It's going to be hard for us to fully demonstrate the mind of Christ. But again, he gives grace to the humble. Perhaps the humility he's looking for is humbling yourself from religious pride. Paul was delivered from performance-based religion. His accomplishments under Judaism. He was of the tribe of Benjamin and circumcised the eighth day a Pharisee. And as touching the law, he was blameless. He had to count it all dung and humble himself in order to win Christ and to be found in him. That is real humility. It's trusting him instead of your own abilities. It is looking away from self and looking unto him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Humility is an utter dependence on him. And I believe that fits in beautifully into this, what we're talking about. What well, we've been talking the last six weeks He's given us a sound mind, but it's still going to require. I know why, he, and for myself, for humility is hard because of what was just mentioned, because of what we have to lay down. Laying down the things that work, and we know it'll work. Just let me do it. And the, and the Lord's saying, no, you lay that down. This, that's not how we're going to do this. I'm not going to allow your methods into this, into this realm. This is all about my method, my strategy. Well, God, I know I, can, I know I can gift my way into a big church. Well, that's not how we're going to do it this time. Humble yourself, right? God doesn't count people. He weighs them. I'm not against big churches. Don't put words in my mouth. What I'm saying is when it's all said and done, we all want to be a heavyweight, right? Just like Gideon's 300. We all want to be heavyweights. But what does it require? Humility. The sound mind is no different. When we approach these things and we look at these weak mindsets, it actually can be quite humbling when we realize how many of these weak mindsets are prevalent in our lives. Especially when you understand you have the mind of Christ and you start to wonder, how did all this weak mentality get in there? It's not because it's part of the mind of Christ, but it got there somehow. And so what we need to do as we think about what we're thinking about, we start to displace those things. We start to cooperate with the mind of Christ. We start to set our mind on things above. We start to, to get proper focus and perspective. And it's all about his focus and perspective. And then it changes everything. It changes everything. Oh, Lord, I just thank you for this series as we close it up tonight, Lord, that we've been on this journey. It's just been beautiful. These last six weeks 
on replacing weak mindsets with sound mindsets. And then here in this final session, looking at just some very practical ways of what it looks like to live with the mind of Christ. It's not an exhaustive list. I'm sure there's, uh, there's, there's lots of great teaching out there on this. This is just our part to add to it. Lord, I just thank you, first of all, that we, we believe, we buy into the truth that we have the mind of Christ. You watching on Facebook, YouTube, listening on our podcast, those sitting in here in the sanctuary, hear the voice of the Lord. You have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. And now Lord, give us the courage to think about the things we think about. Give us the courage to walk out what it means to be led by the thought of our hearts. Lord, knowing that we, we have this litmus test for what we're supposed to focus on. We can start there. Those things that... Let us start with the suggestions. And then we're going to... I feel like a lot of us are even going to add to that list as we continue this journey of what it is. This... The mind of Christ is, is it's, it's a union with Christ offshoot. It's, it, it's part of that whole revelation. It's part of that reality. Because you can't have his mind aside from him. You guys understand that, right? So Lord, I thank you that this is just an expression of what it is to be in union with you. That we are one with you. That is the game changer. And so Matthew's mind, it's been on vacation for a very long time. And I'm not going to invite Help, help us, each one of us, to think your thoughts, to see with your perspective, to love as you love. Because again, as a man thinks in his heart, it's interesting that thoughts and love come from the same place. So Lord, help us to love well as we use your mind. I thank you for all these things now, decree them by faith in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thanks so much for being a part of this. Uh, I would encourage you, if this has blessed you, like it and share it uh, again so that others can be blessed. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. God bless you.